Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. The Dominoes, they have finally fallen in the NFL offseason. Kevin Bowen back, another edition of Kevin's Corner. One of my favorite times of the year. March Madness certainly speaks for itself. We've got a big players championship. Hopefully weather cooperates down there in Jacksonville this weekend. And then obviously the NFL's version of Madness as well. Chris Presley is in the building. Your volunteers are looking like what? A four seed, three seed, something like that? Three seed right now. I know some some have them tied at ninth with Purdue. So um, hopefully we end up on opposite sides of the brackets. I went down a couple years ago when Klein could not miss a three and mm. It was it was still it was still a, a, gr- a uh, outstanding game. It was one of those where it's like you know what, even though we lost, was that in Rupp or Freedom Hall? That or, was at the Yum Center. Yum Center. Yep. I was gonna say Freedom Hall. That's, that's a while ago. Freedom Halls where Bellerman plays. Yeah, shout out to Bellerman. Your alma mater getting a W last night as well. If my Irish don't make it, I will I will cry. I will legitimately cry. Are they um, still? They're a two seed going right. I know. Lenardi's got him on the last four buys. I'd love to fight Joseph Lenardi right now about that. Um. Yeah, I don't get it. Seven true road wins beat Kentucky. I, I get it. The ACC's down, but I thought I saw at one point, and you can correct me. It said the most wins in a row over a Power Five conference. Notre Dame at thirteen was tied with like Auburn, like four or five blue bloods. Yeah, and the I, top team. So like, how do you, you get a two seed in the ACC, and how are I mean, they you? They won 15 games in the ACC. Like, I get it. It's a down year, but still. Wins, um, wins are wins, man. Yeah. I love nothing more than Notre Dame basketball. I got I got issues, but, man, I love them. <laughs> I love them. All right. Um, we're going to get into, I think it's a loaded podcast, one of my favorite ones of the year, Colts mm-hmm. Blueprint, the offseason blueprint. We'll lay it out for you, what I think is a potential path or uh, some might argue necessary path in my eyes. Of what needs to happen. Twitter questions, as always. Um, I believe we had one about the Jack Doyle retirement. I yes. I think there. So we'll touch on Doyle. Or I'll touch on Doyle in Twitter questions. Just an absolutely phenomenal career for a genuinely good, good human mm-hmm. um, in Jack Doyle. But let's start with the news of the day yesterday. Aaron Rodgers back to Green Bay. And then, uh, boy, I'm glad we're recording this on Wednesday, Chris. And then Russell Wilson uh, in that trade going out to Denver. Um, I felt like I've said it before in this podcast, but or do we have a Twitter question about Jordan Love? Um, I don't believe we do, but there was a lot of Jordan Love talk yesterday, so we can touch on that if you want to. Again, the Love thing for me is this. Where the Colts stood on him in the 2020 draft. Chris Ballard, he's not a red flag weed guy. I know I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating with how many people have asked me about love in the last 24 hours. Chris Ballard will not red flag you for weed, uh, but he definitely did not like the fact that Jordan Love was cited for possession of marijuana or whatever the official site was uh, just a couple days before their bowl game back in 2019. You know, he looks at that as, man, you're at Utah State, dude. You got a prominent bowl game, a chance to assert yourself on the national ch- stage, et cetera, et cetera, and you risk that, you know, by doing what he did. Uh, and then they had a one-on-one Zoom just before the draft in 2020. You know, at that point, the Colts had traded for DeForest Buckner, and, you know, you got to the point where it was, do you trade back into the first round to get love? Um, I, I, I think I have that right. And I just don't think Ballard was – 
rub the right way. That, that sounds very awkward. Um, <laughs> but the opposite of rub the wrong way. Right. Um, that's what he was hoping for, and I don't think he got a great feel from Love in that interaction. Now, I think it is worth mentioning the value the Colts would have had to give up to get Jordan Love at that point. That was trade back into the first round. You yeah. know, that's a substantial move for your franchise. The move right now would not be that. I don't know what the value is. Is it a second rounder? I, I, I don't know, third round. Like, and you're also in a much dire situation compared to what you were in a few off seasons ago. So uh, just wanted to get all of that out of the way. I would have been curious had the Broncos not gotten Wilson, would you have seen Nathaniel Hackett, Denver's head coach, OC from Green Bay, go after Love? You know, I think that would have been kind of an indicator to the NFL of what they really feel like. True. Uh, Jordan Love is there. So that's the Green Bay side of it with Love. Again, the Colts had intrigue, I think it's fair to say, but I know there's been a report, like I think Rappaport reported, like they're going to trade up that night, or like they were about to trade up. No, that was never on Chris Ballard's radar. You think they already knew that they were tr- going to try and get Rivers? Uh, Well, they had already had Rivers, right? Because the draft was in April. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yep. Um. So, yeah, but... You know, having said that, I don't think that I don't think that mattered. I don't think out, you know, the rivers to love sort of passing the torch. By the way, I don't know if you caught this last week when Bauer was on with Dan, but um I know that I've mentioned before and I've gotten some pushback on this that I don't think it was a slam dunk that the Colts automatically wanted Phillip Rivers back for that second season. Yeah, you know, I've kinda of heard conflicting things. I've heard from the Rivers camp, you know, a little bit of a boy, I, we didn't get that feeling. Dan asked Chris pretty point blank, did you want Ballard or did you want Rivers back? And Ballard definitely didn't say yes. So um, I think that's just kind of an assumption we often go off of. Um, But I've heard conflicting things, and Ballard's non-answer to me kind of backs a little bit of that up. So, again, doesn't really matter nowadays, but thought I'd mention it. Um, Okay, so Russell Wilson to the Broncos. Mm -hmm. Two things to stand out. Russell Wilson won in Denver. Why? Because they have a young wide receiver core that is exciting, intriguing. Um, And Seattle won in Denver because they have the ninth overall pick. Just two things the Colts can't offer. The Colts can't attract the quarterback right now because they don't have that type of weaponry. It's wild to think they traded away Noah Fant and still have a pass-catching core right. that is attractive to Wilson. I mean, Wilson wanted to come play in the hardest division of football. You know, it shows you what he believes in of what Denver has. Um, also, I'm sure there's some you know, Bronco-type factors and just, you know, Denver is a great city, et cetera, et cetera. And then two, you know, anytime you're putting together a trade package, the fact that the earliest pick, you know, Pete Carroll 70, is that right, Chris? Yeah. The dude doesn't want a major rebuild. So, if hey, man, we'll give you the 47th overall pick in this year's draft. He's going to be like, what? You know, ninth overall has a little bit of a different ring to it. Yeah. And so, um, that's kind of how I sit here of like, you know, the, the Colts, even if they wanted to put something together, for so many franchises, not having a first-round pick in this upcoming draft is a non-starter. And so I think that's what kind of played into a lot of it. So we've mentioned this now for several weeks. When Jim Irsay says all chips in, he just doesn't have as rich of a stack as he thinks he does. Um, Sounds good. Sounds catchy, cliche. But 
when the money talks, you just don't have the ammo to to put together a trade package. Not to mention, in Wilson's case with the no trade clause, you aren't as attractive as you once were. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is what contributed to the Wilson thing. So from an entertainment value standpoint, Colts fans, you're going to see a hell of a division next year in the AFC West. You'll get yeah, you Mahomes and Herbert in your own building and then road vent, road games against Derek Carr and the Raiders and uh, Russell Wilson and the Broncos. So, man, wild day. The AFC is unlike anything I've seen with where you're at right now from a quarterback standpoint. And, uh, boy, it's brutal. It's brutal. And the Colts are not in a good position whatsoever. We'll get more into that a little bit later. Um, I don't speak in hyperbole at all. At least I feel like I try not to. Um Everything that I'm saying on this podcast and have said over the past handful of years and doing it comes from substance. And, you know, I'll probably make a statement that'll get some pushback a little bit later on the Colts quarterback situation, but I truly believe it. And I've never seen it like this. Um, But that's where they're at right now on March 9th, 2022. Um, Any thoughts, Chris, before we get into the Colts offseason blueprint on. No, I mean. Rodgers, Wilson. Jokingly, like you said, to start that. that segment we typically do record earlier in the week and this is one of the few times where hey everything breaks before we record so when all those when all those were breaking yesterday around the time where I would be editing the podcast I was just thinking you know what we finally dodged a bullet here you know it's funny you say that I um I teach a class at Indiana University in Bloomington um the second eight weeks in the spring semester it's the third year I've done it and so it started this week so Yesterday was my first class. Tomorrow will be my second class. The kids will actually go on spring break. Um, so next week, I, I, w- I won't go down there. Um, so I think typically in the off season, it'll probably be more in kind of the Wednesday mode now mm-hmm. for the next you know eight weeks or so. Next week, it's up in the air. You know, you, you just never know with free agency. And so um, we'll try to keep you posted on when we do end up recording. But um, I did think about that right before class started. The Rogers news, right as class yeah. ended. The Wilson news. I I stayed in the classroom and worked for a bit before hopping back up 37 to go pick up Rosie. But um, yeah, just a crazy day. You know, both those dominoes falling so quickly. I'm sure it had something to do with it. Um, but now we kind of know what the quarterback market looks like. Yeah. Not not great. Uh, but let's uh, let's try and put together an offseason blueprint here. Yeah, offseason blueprint. If you want to go to 1075thefan.com, you can look at this complete article. We're only going to touch on a couple topics here. Um, so, Kevin, you break it down into three main categories. The first thing you have is free agents, and there are a decent amount of free agents. Most Colts, of wh- Colts, Colts, Colts free agents. Right? Sorry, yeah. Colts free agents. Most of which coming in the trenches, either offensive or defensive line. Got a couple others out there from the back end in, in regards to George Odom. What are you thinking when you look at these Colts free agents? And again, you can go on the website and look at the complete list. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of notable names, and it's a, it's a you know a lot of quantity, really. I mean, over 20, I think, in-house free agents. As we record this, a week away from the official start of free agency, the Colts have not re-signed anybody. That's pretty par for the course for Chris Bauer. Doesn't typically do that uh, before free agency starts. He oftentimes lets his guys hit the open market and still you know, has a thought to bring them back. Um, so as I'm painting this blueprint, and I guess a couple parameters, I am under the assumption that um, you release Carson Wentz. That would bump up your available cap space with Jack Dole re- retirement, I think just north of $50 million. Um, The draft pick-wise, you know, you don't have your first-round pick, so I think that's something that right. you got to point out as well. Um, I'm going to re-sign the following guys, Chris. 
I'm going to re-sign Eric Fisher, Michael Badgley, Chris Reed, a couple of defensive linemen in Kamoko Terry and Taekwon Lewis, Matt Pryor on the O-line, and then George Odom at safety. Some thoughts there. Fisher, I look at as a Band-Aid at left tackle. I needed an injury incentive-laden deal for him. Um, I know it's a fine balance. You know, Ballard mentioned the combine. Oh, he played through a pec injury and a knee injury. Well, great. Now he's got even more injuries than, <laughs> than you thought about. So the glass half-empty person would say he's reached the injury portion of his career. Right. The glass half full person would say, hey, once he's healthy, he'll pass protect much better. You can't cross off every need like you want to. So here's the band-aid. Badgley, he should be your leader in the kicking competition at Grand Park. Chris Reed, I look at you, okay, can he start at right guard? Mark Glowinski, see ya. Get a little cheaper with Chris Reed here. Uh, Danny Pinter is still intriguing to me financially. Pinter at right guard probably make the most sense. But, again, I still kind of like the Ryan Kelly possible right. trade idea. As well. Kamoko Ture, I just feel like he could he could tap into that potential, and I don't want it to happen somewhere else. You rotate a lot of bodies up front, um, so I bring him back on, again, a very prove-it deal. Tyquan Lewis is kind of in the Jack Muhort deal for me, Chris, is you got to prove it and stay healthy. Four years in the NFL, he's played double-digit games in one of those years. Versatile, important, when right. healthy. Mm-hmm. Matt Pryor's interesting. You know, he's kind of the Joe Haig, Joe Wrights now-a-days. Well, remember Haig, Chris, a few years ago. He left to, I think, be a starter in Tampa, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yep. Does that opportunity come to Matt Pryor? Does he all of a sudden, oh, wow, I see a starting job available somewhere else. That will be the difficulty here. Ideally, he's your sixth offensive lineman. But again, if someone else can offer him a starting job that's available— and I know a lot of people are like, what about Matt Pryor at left tackle? Dude's got one start at left tackle in his career. Do you really want to bank on that? One of the toughest positions to, be to your play. Full, again, Joe Wright says it all the time. You know, um, gosh, I'm going to screw it up. But, like, offensive linemen are are made, but offensive tackles are born, or left tackles born, something along yeah. those lines. I have, Sorry, Joe, not that you're listening to this podcast, but I totally <laughs> butchered that. Um, and then Odom. You know, at safety, Chris, the Julian Blackman torn Achilles. We've kind of talked about safety being a sneaky need. Great special teamer, certainly, but, you know, he might be needed next to Kari Willis early in the season. Um, and the nice part, and again, people can, can read this online, a lot of these are very cap-friendly. Other than, you know, Pryor, like you said, could get looks elsewhere, so that's why you have him getting two years, $6.5 million. Everyone else is pretty much... Pretty reasonable price. I mean, very cheap, I would say. Yeah, and, you know, one thing you'll notice about this blueprint is I'm going to dry up this cap a lot. I'm going to use a lot. Very anti-Chris Ballard, very anti-Colts. I don't give a shit. It's your podcast. Well, that. <laughs> but it, it it's time. It is time. Changes have got to be there. You finished in the middle of the pack of the AFC the last three years. You're missing... Very important players at very important spots. You don't have a first-round pick. You have over $40 million in cap space. Like, this is the opportunity to try and take advantage of that. So, like you said, none of these are mega deals in-house, but um, you, you'll notice there are some names there. Al-Qadim Muhammad's not on that list. Mo Ali Cox is not on that list. 
I'll talk about that here coming up. Um, but you could go a couple different routes here. And, again, Ali Cox and al Muhammad, I can understand why people want to bring him back. And at one point, I definitely thought bring him back. But, you know, when you start to crunch numbers a little bit, you can't do it to everybody. Yeah. So, um, those are the in-house free agents that I'm bringing back. And that makes sense. And like we talked about, the in-house deals that you're trying to dry up a little bit of space is because some free agent moves, then we have a little bit more flexibility to go to. And you have four free agency moves that you think the Colts might be able to go to. Yeah. Let's talk about those. Yeah. Um, let's start with the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently not on the open market yet, but some signs point to that. And that would be Amari Cooper. Um, I threw out three years, $54 million. You know, A lot of these cap numbers, I think you can mani- manipulate the cap a lot. So I think we get a little bit too kind of, I think the Colts do as well, kind of get too caught up in exactly the cap and um, whatnot. But, um, you know, think about Cooper, J- uh, Jake. Sorry, Chris. Um, Chris Presley, not Jake Corey. <laughs> uh, the thing about Cooper that he'd be bringing to your position is two things that you have not had. That's annual production, and it's durability. Yeah. Chris, Amari Cooper hasn't missed a game the last three years due to injury. Missed two due to to COVID. Hasn't missed a game due to injury over the last three years. I mean, think about whiteout, man. Think about all the injuries the Colts have had at that position. You know, no one can stay healthy there. No. Outside of, like, Pascal, you know? And, again, the annual production is what separates Cooper. So, um, the elephant in the room would be, though, does Amari Cooper want to come here? Yeah. Hey, who's my quarterback? What? Sam Ellinger, the dude I watched in the Red River shootout for all the like, you know, that's that's a big deal, obviously. So um, I think it's time to swing it wide out. It, the other thing that stands out to me about wide out in this class is you look at it, Chris, a lot of injury questions with these free agent wideouts. Some nice names, but again, a lot of injury questions. Cooper would seem to kind of separate himself with that. So I'm taking it swing it wide out. That's where I'm going. Especially a guy who runs routes the way that he does with a lot of those guys, the in and outs, the knee injuries, quads, hamstrings. Like you said, the longevity is really nice. Maybe we get him late in the draft. We saw how much speed happened just this last week at the combine. If you can get a wide receiver late. Obviously, those are things we'll talk about at a later date and hopefully with another beers with Bowen. Let's go to the defensive side. A guy that I was pretty interested in looking at his uh, his highlight film, Emmanuel Ogba. Yeah, Emmanuel Ogba from the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Had a couple stops in his NFL career. A pretty high pick out of, I think, Oklahoma State. Uh, 28 years old, and as a defensive end, you know, I'm throwing around $10 million a year for him. Um, he's a high-level athlete, which I think is important to mention because he gets a little bit older in his career. There's still that pop in him, and uh, that's important for the Colts to identify as well. Hasn't missed a game the last two years. Again, defensive line, so many injuries there. Nine sacks each of the last two seasons. And, Chris, of all the available guys, and, again, Harold Landry, we just saw sign the mega deal to stay in Tennessee, so he's off Mm -hmm. the board. You have a guy that had 24 quarterback hits last year. He also had 12 passes deflected. That's a big number for a defensive line. Yeah. You know, again, 24 quarterback hits, 12 passes defensed. Throw out the sack number. That's consistent pressure. I think the Colts have lacked that at defensive end. Um, that, to me, is pretty attractive. The 24 quarterback hits the most of any free agent 
this offseason as well. So you're going to have to pay, and probably I'm, I'm, I'm on the low end of that. But I just think I get there's hesitancy of like, all right, three years of guaranteed money. Okay, he's going to turn 30 in those three years. But you know what? He's shown some durability. Again, had the athleticism coming out. Um, I think you got to take a swing there. You, you can't hope for pay in the dang bow to all of a sudden be there. Uh, it's fine to believe in him. That's fine. You can't live in hope. you got to live in reality. So I want to bring in a veteran that you feel like is proven and you feel like can help you right away. Um, so, yeah, Manuel Ogba would be there. Yeah, and when I went back and watched his highlights, and like obviously every year lines change and teams change, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, um, who is the other one that we play this year? There are four there are four quarterbacks that we play this year, and granted, this is a guy coming off the left end, so the quarterback should be able to see him. Not only does he get to the quarterback, strip sacks. Really like that yeah. about him. He puts the ball out. We've not seen that for a while, so that would be nice. Next one, you talked about the Mo Ali Cox, someone who might be able to replace him, Tyler Conklin. Yeah, you know, wide out to or excuse me, tight end to me, Chris, is a definite need. I would have said that before the Doyle thing. Um so in Conklin, you know, he's had an interesting career. Fifth-round pick out of Western Michigan. Again, pretty good athlete coming out. Super quiet his first three years. I don't think he reached 20 catches or 200 yards any of his first three seasons. Last year, 61 grabs for 539 yards. Now, certainly, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen get a lot of attention. Dalvin Cook get a lot of attention as well. But you'd like to throw him in here, and if you've got a Pittman and a Cooper and you've got Jonathan Taylor, I mean – he shouldn't be, you know, your first or second option. But but that's another reason you would figure, hey, let's let Kyle Rudolph go. Yeah. The, the, the Vikings saw something in Conklin. Right. And uh, I know LJ Smith is coming back for them. We'll see if they re-sign him. You know, we saw a couple tight ends. Mike Gusecki, David Njoku both get the franchise tag. Dalton Schultz, I think, from Dallas yep. got it as well. So, mm-hmm. again, the market at tight end dried up a little bit with the franchise tag situation. But – um, I think it's time to make an investment there, similar to Eric Ebron um, from a receiving standpoint. You know, I look at tight end as pretty deep in this draft as well. You know, I would almost look at can you get an inline guy, you know, fourth or fifth round. I know you you drafted Granson last year in the fourth round, but, like, you know, Conklin's a fifth-round pick. George Kittle's a fifth-round pick. You can find pretty quality tight ends um, on day three. Mm-hmm. So I look at it as – Mo'Ally Cox walks. I still think Ali Cox can be a good player. Again, good inline blocker, et cetera, et cetera. But I see an opportunity here with Conklin. It's just a little bit more of a receiving threat. Just feel like things get a little choppy with Ali Cox in that part of the game. Uh, but again, you got to come back in the draft and you got to make sure that you still make tight end the need, um, in my opinion, there. So, um, you know, I- I'm coming away here in free agency with two important pass catchers. But. I thought it was a this time last year, Chris. I guarantee you can dial up the March whatever podcast leading into free agency. And my most important key in talking about the blueprint was support for Carson Wentz. Outside of pass rusher, support for Carson Wentz. Uh, and hell, you can make the argument that pass rush would support your your, your quarterback. But specifically, you know, I mean pass catchers. Mm-hmm. Time to go out and get a couple. You got over forty million again. If you release Wentz, you got over fifty. That's the route that I'd be going. And the last one here is a guy that all of us in the AFC South know a lot about and have seen multiple times. One year, four million. You're going Marcus Mariota. 
Saw him a little bit last year too with the Raiders. You know, we can you know a couple design runs. And how many people just went? Oh my god! What? I mean, what? <laughs> we'll you explain know. it to him. I mean, well, Chris, uh, I, I can't really explain it in much of a positive light, <laughs> other than uh, welcome to 2022 in your quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. But no, in, in all seriousness, um, you kind of got your pick of the litter with these former top five picks. You know, some people are trying to talk me into into Winston. I, okay, I. I get there's a high ceiling there. You know, the ACL, how much time would he have to work in the offseason with the new team? That would be a little bit concerning to me. And although it's probably no guarantee that he even is available, we'll see what New Orleans does with their coaching staff largely still intact with the promotion of Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael as their OC and everything. So this is not flashy, but you got to live in reality. And Mariota, again, former top five pick. I think you look at the Tennessee numbers, efficiency-wise, they're a little better than I remembered. I think we always have a negative connotation about the Titans here because the Colts have had their number. Now, not lately necessarily, but, you know, have had it in that Mariota tenure. You know, he wasn't terrific in the road playoff game, but they did win a road playoff game in Kansas City, so he's experienced that. Uh, Wentz has not really experienced that at all. Um, So I look at Mariota, and we'll talk about this in the draft. I don't necessarily say here are the 2022 keys to the franchise, but he's somebody that you could have as your starter. The bottom wouldn't totally fall out. You could evaluate your offense you know, on a, on a pretty, uh, whatever, even level, if you will. So um, I just don't know what else. I, I, I don't know where else, what else you do in this situation. Um, yeah, Derek Carr, I like Josh McDaniels took that job to coach Derek Carr, I'm pretty sure, not to trade Derek Carr. Like, I don't. Garoppolo to me again is just too. First off, it's a it's a big financial draft commitment. Mariota would only be financial, um, and I just think he's steady. But I don't know if like there's a massive sort of upgrade here. I mean, again, Kittle and Debo aren't here for what yeah. Jimmy G had, and you guys heard me say this before. I believe you've got to reach a pretty high ceiling from your quarterback in the playoffs there. So. I don't love anything, but if I'm looking at the bat rack and I'm grabbing one to go in the batting cage with, I guess I'm pulling out the Mariota one. Yeah, and that was another topic we didn't talk about earlier in terms of the quarterback news. It sounds like it's a pretty standard procedure, but you know Jimmy's got to go under the knife a little bit here. So that that no, I I, I think that's a good point. That's a good point as well. Um, so uh, that's how I look at free agency. Again, it is substantial. It is anti Chris Ballard. I get all of that, but it's time to attack March free agency with some serious vigor. And if it means pushing some cap space down the road, which is not something the Colts typically do, so be it. Um, I think you really have got to get serious right now here in the next week. All right, so we talked about Colts' own free agents. We talked about free agency moves. Let's hit the third prong, draft ideas. Okay, so no first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um I enter the draft in my long-term answers. Quarterback, left tackle. Again, Fisher's the Band-Aid. Mariota, Band-Aid. Uh, I go quarterback, I go left tackle early. Flat out. Again, tight end safety are still kind of on my radar. Wide receiver, it's always deep. You know, boy, I feel like a day three drafted wide out this franchise needs to hit on at some point. Um, but specifically, they just have shied away from using... At left tackle, they've shied away from using any draft pick at that position. 
at quarterback, they've shot away from using an important draft pick at that position. It's time to do both at both spots. So that's how I look at things. Groom the left tackle. And honestly, Chris, I, I would not be opposed to just, you know, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, whatever. Here are the keys. Evaluate him for a year. If it works, great. You got something to, work, to really work with. If it doesn't work, Chris, you've jeopardized no future draft picks. You have Mariota come off the books. And if you went six and whatever, you've got a top 10, top 12 pick, whatever you have next year. And then you go take another swing at quarterback. Like, you will notice franchises that, like, eventually hit on quarterbacks. They also have swung and missed in recent years before that. Like, the Bills drafted EJ Manuel in the first round. Mm -hmm. Okay. They swung, they missed, they came back, and they took a shot with Josh Allen. Like, it's not like these franchises just, boom, you take one shot at it and you automatically hit. So, I don't have that much of an issue of it might look like a different regime here <laughs> making that selection, but that's where I would go um, draft-wise. So I mean, hell, look at it's it's funny looking at uh, John Elway. You know, supposed to be this. You know, obviously he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Not, not taking anything away from what he did on the field, right? Other than turning down the Colts. Um, <laughs> but looking at the list of quarterbacks. The two best ones that he's had, really, in his tenure are guys that he's traded for or or got in free agency. I think so. I saw you say Denver started the most quarterbacks in the league since Peyton retired. Um, so, again, they've swung and missed routinely yeah. with some important draft picks, but now they're in a position where they made the move that they did yesterday. So, you know, I, I kind of sit here at the end of this blueprint, Chris, and think to myself again, Al-Qadim Muhammad, Mo Ali-Cox like to bring back, but you know what? Agba upgrade over Muhammad, Conklin upgrade over Ali-Cox. That's kind of how I look at that. Um, I get the cap space thing. I, I, I'm really pinching. I'm really pinching. Maybe you trade Ryan Kelly. I, I don't know. But without a first-round pick, mm -hmm. you got to do things differently. Yeah. And like you said, it's about the chips. And right now we don't have the chips that a lot of people hoped we did. And then before we get to Twitter questions, just kind of one final thing. Mm -hmm. I've talked a lot about this. You kind of have two plates to look at this offseason. Here's the quarterback plate, and here's the supporting the quarterback plate. That quarterback plate of Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, it's gone. It's in the kitchen. You can't have it anymore. This blueprint, to me, kind of achieves mostly to support the quarterback, but it still offers some shot at QB of drafting one in the second round, taking a chance there of like, hey, can this be Derek Carr? You know, Can this be Garoppolo? Whatever you think of your former second-round picks there. Um, so I, I just think it's an offseason that, you do have cap space to address some of those other important needs, but an offseason cannot go by without you taking a swing at the most important position in sports. So that's why I'm still taking the swing. Uh, and at some point, you just you got to have an important draft pick and you got to give Frank Reich something to work with. You do, flat out. Um, and I honestly think it's something the organization's thinking about. I do. I do. I, I don't have a lot. Of insight into that, but I've got a little, and I do feel like quarterback in the draft yeah. is a possibility. So we'll see how it plays out. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. All right, you want to jump into Twitter questions? Let's do them. Let's do them. All right, this first one comes from Zach. Now that Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers' dominoes have fallen, who is the next best candidate for quarterback? Also, read something the other day about the Colts are projected to decide to sign Taron Armstead from the Saints. Have you heard any chatter on that? Love the pod. Keep up the great work. 
I, I do not have any chatter on that. I know Armstead's battled a lot of injuries, so I think that would be the big question there. When healthy, certainly an upgrade and a stud at left tackle, but the injury thing would be that. Um, all right, give me Zach's first point again, and thank you, Zach, for the question. We talked about the dominoes that fell at the beginning in terms of yeah. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Who best is the candidate. next best candidate? Zach, and to all of our listeners, I want to make this very clear, and this is the point I was addressing earlier. Um, don't speak in hyperbole. Everything I come with is with substance or something I've thought long and hard about. As we sit here right now, Chris, you and I are recording this at 10.40 a.m. on March 9th. There is not a team in the AFC in a worse quarterback situation than the Indianapolis Colts. Dead last. That might be tied for last. No one's below them. And feel free to pull up the AFC standings. Feel free to push back. The only thing I was going to say, regard whatever happens, legality with Watson, maybe the Texans. But And where I would disagree with that is this, Chris. When you talk about the worst quarterback situation, it's not just on the field. you got to think about off the field. And again, I don't mean Watson legally. They can trade Watson and get multiple first-round picks back for him. So they will get return on him. True. Plus, Davis Mills is better than Sam Ellinger and James Morgan. That is true. So, <laughs> again, you know... People have mentioned, like, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's got a first-round pick this year. Colts don't have a first-round pick. And, again, on the level of will this guy ever pan out, it's probably about a 6% level, but at least is a level. They do have Dwayne Haskins. Again, I don't think Dwayne Haskins is going to resurrect his career, but it is a recent former first-round pick, and the and the Colts just don't have that. So um, it's wild for me to say that because I just – it's jarring. It's shocking. You and I grew up in this market, Chris. Mm-hmm. For 20 years, the Colts had arguably the best quarterback situation in the NFL. And again, as I sit here right now, and it's not just all on the field. It's off the field. Where's the hope? Where's the return on investment? That factors into it as well. It's the worst. It is the worst in the AFC. Uh, Cleveland. Okay, Baker has won a playoff game. You know, Miami with Tua. All right. You know, two other question marks. Sure. But an offensive minded head coach. Like the situations with the Jags or the Jets, they have the hope. All right. You know, we'll see. Trevor, Zach Wilson, not great rookie seasons. Is it going to follow the path of Peyton Manning? You know, and, and, and you know, have a, a poor rookie season, but then take a jump. I know that's lofty, but like there's just no hope here. Yeah. You won me over on that. That's, that's a, that's a good way to put it. It's just, and obviously the better quarterbacks speak for themselves. Bills, Ravens, you know, Bengals, Chiefs, Raiders, mm-hmm. hell, the whole AFC West. <laughs> right. Um, it, it's just wild. It, it's wild to be in this spot. But there's no hope. Currently, when you compare them to the other 15 teams in the AFC, you know, I've brought up this stat before. Um, drafted quarterbacks in the AFC last year. Of the 16 teams in the AFC, 13 of them. Had quarterbacks they drafted. Denver, one of the teams that didn't draft the QB, Locke uh, wasn't their primary starter. Bridgewater was. Right. Well, they just do what they did. Tannehill in Tennessee is another. Obviously, the Colts being the third. Like, Tannehill in Tennessee is the outlier. And again, you'd argue Tennessee doesn't love their quarterback situation. It's still better than the Colts. What also, I think, impacts where I have the Colts ranked is like, again, Pittsburgh is probably the one team you could put in there and be like, God, they're, they're in... A bad situation. The Pittsburgh QB that's walking out the door 
is Ben Roethlisberger. You didn't give up draft capital for him. You don't have him under contract for three more years. You've got Wentz under contract for three more years. You gave up a first and a third. You factor in all this. I'm sorry. I, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. we got to live in reality. You guys come here for an honest opinion. Try to bring it to you each and every week. And my honest opinion is there is no team in the AFC right now, Wednesday morning, March 9th, that is in a worse quarterback situation than the Colts. It's very fair. Very fair. Next one comes from Steven. Hey, Kevin, huge, huge fan of the show. He's written it a couple times. Just a quick question and like your input, Jack Doyle retiring. Does that also mean that T.Y. Hilton is going to be gone soon? Yeah, Steven, I'm glad you brought up Doyle because I do want to talk about him here. You know, the Hilton thing's interesting. I, I know T.Y. said, like, you know, I'm going to do whatever Jack does <laughs> pretty much all offseason long. I never really fully believe that. I'm like, all right, you're close with them. I get that. But, like, dude, you, your physical – you know, injuries and whatnot are different, and just um, at the end of the day, you're going to make your own decision. So I don't think this is a package deal like, oh, here are the twins from Garen. They're both going to go to, you know, right. wherever. We've lived in the same room our entire life. Uh, by the way, sorry to Garen. That was a heartbreaker, man. You know what? Great shot by Burbuff. Crazy shot by Burbuff. I can't believe Cathedral won a sectional. I'll give him credit. Yeah. Cathedral's uh, got some. Shout out to Bobby Allen. Got some players. Legend. Um, the coach there, Garen Catholic. Uh, okay, Doyle and the retirement. You know, I think listening to this podcast now, I went to Cathedral with Jack Doyle. Um, I think it's fair to call him a friend. Um, just, like, good dude. Flat out. Good dude. Um, Jacoby Brissett, I thought, had a great Instagram story the other day. Um, reposted the Colts, I think, you know, thank you to Doyle post and said, everybody's favorite teammate. You scroll through social media when Doyle had his retirement announcement in typical Jack Doyle fashion. We will not have a press conference. We will not be making the radio rounds. We will release a press release, and that's it. Um, Mathis, Hasselbeck, Luck, side of the ball didn't matter. Like, these teammates just adored him, just went about his way. You know, the few conversations that I'd have with Jack – you know, over the years, there was an element of like, can you believe this is happening right now yeah. to me? Like, you know, at Cathedral, we wore uniforms. The days we didn't wear them, you know, whatever, homecoming or whatnot, I feel like it'd be Doyle in a Mathis jersey, Doyle in a Wayne jersey. Uh, he was a Pacers ball boy, you know, a huge Pacers fan, yeah. huge Pacers fan. And like, here he is living out what hundreds of kids around the city of Indianapolis think about on a daily basis growing up of like, my nephew literally says it to me. He's like, I'm going to play for the Colts one day. He's five years old, you know, and Jack Doyle literally lived mm-hmm. this out. It's a remarkable story. You know, Chris, he was not – he really didn't become a prominent player at Cathedral until his senior year. And um, wide out, correct? Tight end. I mean, primarily a pass catcher was definitely the the, the top target. Um, you know, went to Western Kentucky, I believe, kind of a family connection was the reason that he really went to Western. Like, preferred walk-on or maybe a late scholarship. I, I, I don't remember 100%. Obviously undrafted um, out of Western and played at Tennessee or was with the Titans that offseason. And then, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the thing people forget about it is Ryan Grigson puts in the waiver claim for him right before the start of the 2013 season. God, I can't believe he played here for nine years. <laughs> Dwayne Allen breaks his hip week one against the Raiders. That's right. Yeah. Last time the Colts won a season opener. 
And all of a sudden, you need Jack Doyle. And Jack Doyle and Kobe Fleener, you know, that was kind of like your your tight end duo. You had some various vets that kind of in and out of the building. Um, but the rest is history there. You know, there's just the coaching staff slept well at night knowing that, you know, T.Y. uses the, the term, oh, yeah, that's that's Tim Duncan, Mr. Fundamental, mm-hmm. what they call Doyle. I just went about his business the right way. I never felt like ego crept into him throughout his nine years in the NFL and all of that. So, um, yeah, yeah, like you said, when scrolling through social, every player, Zach Pascal's like, Oh, Jack, those Pascal Jack, quotes are great. He's like, just look at me. I'll tell you what to do. Yeah. EJ Speed said, one car, one house, one woman. <laughs> like, that's what Jack... I forgot Speed said that. There's just so many funny... and, and But that's nice to see because obviously everyone loved him, but that's kind of a funnier thing. So it's like, all right, he was, you know, he was still oh, yeah. joking around with the guys. Oh, yeah. Like, just a good dude. Yeah, he, he does have a funny sense of humor. I, I know the, the, the limelight is not something that he, whatever, was seeking out, but uh, he's got a great sense of humor. Um, I think something a little bit more business side of the NFL that stands out to me is the opinion that, that Chris Ballard had of the Ryan Grigson roster when he took over was not very high. Um, you didn't see a lot of guys keep their status on the roster from Grigson to Ballard. The first re-signing was Doyle. And I think that really stands out to me about Ballard did that and kind of trusting Chuck Pagano trusting other people in that building, whoever else was vouching for Doyle, in that the GM came in, easily could have cut ties with him. Like, wait, I'm going to get an undrafted free agent who doesn't run fast, who has you know, done a nice job but nothing great here. And I guarantee you Andrew Luck spoke very highly mm-hmm. of Jack Doyle You know, when he, when Bauer was kind of seeking out other opinions on that. So incredible career um, for him. Again, a Hollywood-like story. And um, – God, man, undrafted, and you make, what, 40-some million? Pretty not, good. Not too shabby. Pretty good. Pretty good there for Jack. So, I'm sure he'll enjoy hanging with Casey and the two boys a little bit more. And, um, yeah, my my guess is he'll be coaching football one day. Oh, absolutely. This one comes from quick from Craig. Hey, Kevin, it would seem the most logical scenario if we keep Carson Wentz for another year, given we won't get much for him, and draft a quarterback. He says late round one or two which we don't have a round one if that plays out would you take Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter seems like a good mix for Wentz to have a mobile quarterback as his backup you know um Matt oh, first off I don't know if Malik Willis is kind of getting there uh Matt Corral and Sam Howell are the two that I kind of come to is a little bit more realistic in the range you know Ritter I don't know I obviously team wise he had much more success than Hal this year based off preseason expectations. I didn't love the offensive line in front of Hal this year, and I know North Carolina lost a good amount Yeah, as Ritter well. beat some uh, Irish team, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I, I wanted to cuss there, but it's Lent. I'm trying to be a little bit more less cussy to you, but you can. Uh, I, 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 can I can read you. Yeah, You're yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it, man. All right. Um. I just think those guys are going a little bit. I, I don't maybe not Ritter, but I think Willis is going to go earlier. Corral and Hal are kind of two that I've kind of narrowed my a little bit here in the second round. But you know, there is an element certainly if we're just throwing a dart at the board, Craig. I do. But like, you know me, I want legs. 
I do like those guys that you mentioned. I do like Howell and Corral. And, you know, Corral's coming off the injury. Mm-hmm. But give me legs. Yeah. Can you run? Can you run? All right, we got a long one here from Matt. Matt moved out west, so prior to last season, staying up to date with the hometown sports has become even more critical, so thank you for your continued coverage, Kevin. I get the asset conversion around the ammo. We have an exchange for another answer at quarterback. With that being said, I'm not in the camp of trading Quentin Nelson. I know Chris Ballard is against the change, but would you move Quentin Nelson to left tackle and pay him accordingly? Kill two birds with one stone. We wouldn't have to overpay for a guard, and we would have a left tackle for the future. Our offensive line, which everyone loves, could fill in nicely, especially if we bring back Chris Reed, who we talked about earlier at right guard, and and though even though he's a center, and Danny Pinter, who we also talked about to left guard. Then let Eric Fisher and Mark Lewinsky walk. I feel like the move would quell the chatter around both Nelson's trade and overpaying for a guard. Thank you, Matt. Um, a lot of detail in that. And I always start here with the Nelson to left tackle debate. He doesn't want to play there. He doesn't want to play there. You know, just flat out. Um, so that probably ends it. It would greatly help things. Matt, as you lay out, it would greatly help your financial situation on your offensive line. It is a, a murky, awkward cap situation up front. You mm-hmm. do need to make sacrifices. You have more options at guard than you do at tackle in-house. You know, again, the Matt Pryor free agency is going to be interesting to me. Does he get that starting job somewhere else there? You know, let's say you re-sign like Chris Reed in free agency. You've got Nelson, Kelly, Reed, Pinter, you know, that's four guys for three spots. You know, that's that's pretty good. You know, you don't have that at tackle. Right. Braden Smith, I guess Eric Fisher, and then we'll see about Pryor. So, um, again, Matt. You make a whole lot of sense, but the Colts, when they get into these Nelson negotiations, they've got to play the injury surgery card and try to get a couple million knocked off that. Mm-hmm. Got to. Got to, got to, got to. I mean, three surgeries in nine months. Yeah. It's no joke. No, and he's kind of getting up there in age a little bit. He's got to be 30, what? Oh, Nelson? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I thought you said Fisher. Oh, no, maybe I did say Fisher. Um, no, 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 I, I no, meant no. Nelson. Fisher is 31, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I so, yeah, I mean, injury-wise with, with Fisher, yes. But, you know, again, can you Band-Aid it for one more year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 31 for Fisher. J- just turned 31. Jumping back to the quarterback situation, question from Tall. If the Colts are going to make a quarterback move, shouldn't they do it before free agency starts? And his opinion, if he's a tight end or a wide receiver, he's not going to go somewhere where he doesn't know – who the quarterback throwing the ball to him is. The other possibility in QB scenario to throw out there, keep Carson Wentz, draft a quarterback in the second round. Realize Jalen Hurts created some issues for Carson, but hearing Chris Ballard and Frank Reich say their decision will be what's best for the short and long term of the team, I just keep getting a hint that they might want one of these quarterbacks, but who knows? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot there. Um, you know, as far as the first point, like what are you doing before free agency starts? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Wilson was traded. Like, Garoppolo's the only trade, you know, realistically. I don't think Carr necessarily is that. So, Tall, I don't know how you create the, hey, look what we just did. You want to come here? <laughs> yeah. And frankly, Frank's just going to start, and you could be like, hey, boom, Jameis Winston, Mitchell Trubisky, you want to come here? And they could be like, wow, that's awkward. So, I, I just, I think it's reality of, 
you're not going to be able to have that recruiting chip that maybe some other teams can have. I still think this, in free agency, it's the biggest deal is money. The biggest deal is money. That's what ultimately wins. But having said that, um, if it tied, you know, between a couple teams, that can be a separator there. Yeah. And, you know, as the, as the second part, like, screw it. If Wentz is going to be pissed, who cares? Like, if he's going to be not helpful, standoffish, whatever, like, I don't, I, that's not going to influence my opinion on whether we draft a quarterback in the second round or not. Like, there's so much more on a quarterback's plate than worry about the dude over his shoulder. We, there should, should be, yeah. You know, so, um, if, Keeping Wentz is going to potentially stunt the development of that second round draft pick at quarterback. See you, Carson. Yeah, I kind of feel this way about the Pacers right now, Chris. You know, Malcolm Brogdon, Tyrese Halliburton. This is Halliburton's team moving forward. I get the vibe Halliburton looks over his shoulder with Brogdon. You watch the late game situations, it's Brogdon doing a whole lot on the ball, whereas Halliburton kind of defers. And again, I don't blame Halliburton necessarily for this. Like, he's 22. He just got traded here midseason. The dude cried when he got traded by the Kings. Like, it's a wild scenario he's been thrown into. But, like, you walk into that locker room, we all have been there in business settings where you're six or seven years younger than someone that you maybe are right. now ahead of them in the pecking order. It's awkward. But, like, it stunts your growth if you feel like your voice is being restricted a little bit by the presence of that other person. That's kind of how I would feel here of, man, are they afraid to say? Are they afraid to grow? Are they afraid to take the reins full on? I feel that with Halliburton right now a little bit with Brogdon. Would that be the case with Winston, the second-round quarterback? Yeah. It also doesn't help that when you give Brogdon the ball, he never gives it back. <laughs> Did you see the end of that game last night? I did not watch the game oh the other. Uh, I watched the game two nights ago, where or I guess three nights ago. Jalen Smith literally fouls, thinking that they're down. I I did listen this I was morning like, to this you. This dude and... is the uh, <laughs> could not epitomize a tank more. I love it. Hey, better draft capital for hey, us. Hey, amen, man. Trust me. All right, Tyler's not written to us here in a, in a while, but he has a question on this podcast. Was wondering if you think the Frank Wright and Chris Ballard's job security is different depending on who they bring back at quarterback. If they cut Carson Wentz and admit that they were wrong, do they get more of a leash compared to running it back across the board and underachieving again? Or do you feel like regardless of who is under center and underachieves in the eyes of Jim Ursay means either or both lose their job? Great podcast as always, and thank you. Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate that. Um, this, this is a good question. Mm -hmm. um, boy, it's a sore, sore eye yep. on it. It's hard to get a second swing in the NFL at quarterback. And the Colts are getting it. You know, and in a way, and this kind of goes back to like the Pittsburgh situation with Roethlisberger walking out the door versus Wentz. You've got to do something to get him out of the door. You swung and missed, but you took a pretty significant swing. And that's why you couldn't realistically offer what Denver offered to get Russell Correct. Wilson. Um, but, man, Ursay loves these two. Ursay loves them. He loves them. So, a lot of NFL franchises, they wouldn't get a second swing. Um, I, I'm i I'm okay. I, I'm good with them getting a second swing. Like, I, I don't think I've ever said in this podcast they need to be fired. I think I've said that car seat warmer needs to be 
fully on blast at this mm-hmm. point. You know, it's it's three degrees outside, and you're heading into work early in the morning. Blast it, but um, I feel like I feel like the seat's got to be warmer. But Ursay again, he just he's talked and acted differently with these two. We'll see the next time Ursay talks, probably around the draft. Mm-hmm. How how is is his opinion? I mean, he knows what quarterback means. Can you imagine if Mariota's his starter this fall? Or Trubisky? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. boy, nothing says buy season tickets like that. I mean, if you have to talk to them, if you have to talk him into Carson Wentz, I could only imagine the sales mm-hmm. pitch that you're doing for some of those other guys. Plus, you watch what Stafford did, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and Brady, you know, you've seen two teams back-to-back, first-year starters win a Super Bowl. Right. It's going to piss off the old owner, oh, as, yeah. it, as it should. All right, this one comes from Adam. He wants to know about T.Y. Hilton. The Steelers bring back a lot of former players, and you can see that they're very passionate about their team. If T.Y. does not make this team or can't come back and be on the field, do you think Jim Irsay approaches him and offers him a position to be a wide receiver coach? We've heard a lot of rumors about Reggie Wayne. Right. That's not come to fruition. Obviously, the salary won't go against the salary cap, or do you think T.Y. just would not necessarily want to be on the sideline to be a coach? Yeah, probably a little bit of the latter there. Um, plus, I also think it's a little different, you know, being a coach and a player. Like, I think T.Y. still wants to be in the huddle. And I, I think guys kind of turn to him in the huddle and like, all right, that's that's uh, that guy means something, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I, I feel a level of comfort. He's been here. He's he's done that. So and I still expect the Reggie Wayne thing to get done as well. Yeah, I would love to see that. Five more. This one's from Daniel. Obviously, we talked about Rodgers going back to the Packers and Wilson now being traded to the Broncos. Does that raise Carson Wentz's trade value at all? And also, after those two, is it basically Carson Wentz and Jimmy Garoppolo who are the best available? Thanks again. Love listening to your podcast. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate that, Daniel. I, I would say Winston, you know, in a lot of people's eyes. You know, played at a pretty high level before he got hurt last season. Uh, we'll see what New Orleans does with him. I mean, Wentz should have a little bit of trade value when you put it like that. He he should have the who else trade value lead. Right. Um, him or Jimmy G there. Mm-hmm. You know, why? It, it's weird. Pittsburgh, Washington, New Orleans, Indianapolis, whoever else is in the quarterback market. Again, you have that thought. But then also if I'm in one of those rooms, I think to myself, guys, why did Philadelphia – move on why did philadelphia give him the big extension and then draft jalen hurts why is frank reich not able to get it done to a degree after one season and they're bailing on him after one season i mean yeah some substantial financial hits to both of these franchises like i've mentioned this before on the podcast chris find me a quarterback that's gotten three chances to run a franchise before the age of 30 that's what you'd be looking at with mm-hmm. with wentz so rare in the nfl that would have some hesitancy. But, again, having said that, you look at the available guys. We had Peter King on our morning show last week. You combine the free agent quarterbacks and the drafted quarterbacks available this year, one of the worst classes Peter King can remember. And Peter King's been covering the league for a long, long time. Yes. So, having said that, boy, you'd think Wentz would have a little bit of trade value. True. All right, from Rodney feels like this is long-winded Rodney I'll tell you this is not when this is only a couple sentences so you're good <laughs> he has on a few occasions heard that the Colts and the 49ers compared to each other both teams like to run the ball 
play bend but don't break defense, have good special teams, Frank's beloved quote-unquote complimentary football. So if that's the case, considering Jimmy Garoppolo has taken the 49ers to a Super Bowl and an additional uh, NFC Championship game, wouldn't it be the obvious choice to replace Carson on the cheap with a track record of moderate success that Garoppolo has? You know, I went to the uh, doctor the other day for my annual physical, and they did the whole blood pressure mm-hmm. action there. Watching Jimmy Garoppolo play quarterback would probably give you steadier blood pressure than Carson Wentz. But to get far in the playoffs, I think you need volatility. I think you need a guy that can reach a higher high. And that's where I think would separate kind of Wentz and Garoppolo is like, there's that chance Wentz could get back to the 2017 level. Again, I'm not expecting that. I'm not saying that at all. But to me, in the postseason, you just can't have a game manager. You cannot. You've heard me say it a thousand times about Flacco. Yep. Flacco was a Hall of Famer in that playoff run for Baltimore. And then Debo and Kittle. I mean, are they here? No. Yeah, I just feel like San Francisco missed the killer instinct in those wins. I forget the receiver he was throwing to. Was it Crabtree? I don't know why Crabtree pops in my head. Maybe that was Kaepernick. He had the guy open in the Super Bowl against Kansas City when they were up 10, and he missed him. Someone tweeted yesterday. It was down the seam. Yeah. And it was like two or three yards. And I forget who it was, uh, but, you know, that's where we get to the – our defense blew a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. Yes, but your quarterback had an opportunity to go win the game. And you pay that position that type of money to do it. True. So I just feel like Jimmy G lacks a little bit of that. This one's from Evan. Hey, Kevin, with the news about Amari Cooper likely being traded or released because of the Cowboys cap situation, why not throw a fourth or fifth rounder in a legit wider at a re- legit wide receiver number one when healthy that the Colts desperately need instead of bidding on him for a talented wide receiver in free agency, giving up day two picks seems like a feasible option for a team trying to put, as he says, as they as they would have said a million times, all chips in. Thanks, love your work on the pod. And you touched on this earlier. Yeah, I touched on it a little bit, and thank you, Evan, for this. Um, you know, Dallas is not in great cap situation, Chris. Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson, two free agent wideouts. I think they would like to bring back. Um, they've got C.D. Lamb as well. I mean, this is some of the kind of Colts blueprint. You know, Zeke. Mm-hmm. Zach Martin, that O line. I think Martin. I see he's doing a restructure. I think I saw that. Him and Dak restructured for the other day. Freed up twenty something mil, I think. Yeah, uh, but again, I go back to the, you know, Cooper. Just that durability and that availability, or yeah, durability, availability, and then ability. If you want to take it a step further, his production has been there. So sure, I, I if Dallas would want that, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be content with that. I would like to think that. They'd eat a little bit of his cap hit. Because, again, you're going to have to crunch numbers under the blueprint that I'm working with. It's by far the most aggressive blueprint that I've had. Um, But I think it's necessary. How much more did the cap raise this year? It was like 280 or 208? Yeah, I mean, God, top of my head, I don't know. It's a small percentage. But, I mean, it raises each year. Um, Certainly post-pandemic, it it should be going back up with the amount of, you know, butts that were in the seats this year. But based on what everyone makes, it pretty much just stays. You're still yeah, paying. relatively yeah. from a percentage standpoint, relatively the same. All right, this one. I, I did think. Sorry to interrupt, Chris. No, you're fine. I did think something to note that was interesting yesterday. You saw what nine guys get the franchise tag. I think mm-hmm. it was nine. Maybe Harold Landry got the long term deal after that. So if you look at those ten spots, 
Six were pass catchers, wide out or tight end. Mm-hmm. Two were offensive tackles. One was Landry. And the other was Jesse Bates, safety. You had nine of the ten at the premium positions. No coincidence, folks. Nope. That's how you got to build in the NFL. No coincidence. Mitchell says, with Gus Bradley being the new defensive coordinator, do you think we will have some sort of voice, or he will have some sort of voice in free agency because Mitchell feels like he would want to try and bring in Casey Hayward. He loves that Hay- he would love to see Hayward on the Colts. Yeah, I, I could see that. You know, you, we do need to start looking at some of the Gus Bradley. Um, you know, I didn't have corner on there as a huge need in the offseason. I don't think it's a massive, massive need. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do think Gus Bradley will have a voice, and he should have a voice. I mean, he runs the show over on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, maybe he likes other skill sets that are, in particular, you know, fit whatever that he wants to do. You know, guys have kind of told, you know, other defensive players have told other defensive players around the league about him that have played for him. I think that helps you. Yep. Um, you know, again, it's just I, I keep on coming back to, like, what are those Ursay changes he demanded? The all-chips-in comment was <laughs> – it was such a ludicrous comment. Like, I don't know if you saw this in the break room earlier today, Chris. I go out there. And I assume this is left over from the night before. You know, I'm in the break room at whatever, 6.50 in the morning. I go there, and there's a bag of chips, like a bunch of different bags of chips <laughs> that had clearly been left there. And the only bags left? Fritos. Oh, Fritos would be a win in my book. Freaking veggie straws. Oh, I don't want veggie straws. Those come? Uh, no. No. Veggie straws is what I hand to Rosie, and I tell her they're chips. Yeah. And I just blatantly lie to her. And I eat the nacho cheese Doritos right. while she eats the veggie straws. You know? Like, Ursay talked like he had a bunch of nacho cheese Cool Ranch Doritos available. And in reality, the Colts got a bunch of veggie straws. Without that first-round pick and without the attraction to bring other people here, i.e. Wilson, no trade clause, all of that. Yeah. So, I, do people really like veggie straws? I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna get. Am I gonna get blasted by? Is there a Frito community out there? There, I got a one of my good buddies from high school works for Frito Lay. I mean, I do Frito like Walking Taco. Yeah, but no veggie straws. Yeah, that's that's kids or like you're trying to. It's Lent where you can't eat chips and that's just what you substitute with. Yeah, uh, that's probably accurate there. Um, so yeah. All right, well, I'm going to get Rosie some better snacks. But as we move on to the last question, let's go with one more quarterback question. This one's from Mike. He has another stopgap question for you at that position. Gardner Minshew. Oh, Minshew. Ideally, the Colts trade Carson Wentz. Use that pick to help get Minshew from the Eagles. Work acquiring playmakers this offseason and then draft a quarterback in 2023. Totally hear you out, Mike. Um, my saying, I want stopgap with potential. Just don't know. I mean, that's just just seems like such a holding pattern. You know, I'd rather watch a rookie in there for 17 games that has potential. I mean, honestly, the situation right now is a lot where Eason would have made sense to me. This is why I don't get giving up on Eason. It's, it's an opportunity right now of like, all right, see what we can find out there. And if not, the dude we draft in the fourth round who has to get game experience to truly evaluate him. This would be the time. Yeah. But that's not going to happen. And again, Ellinger defined ceiling. I know we get Ellinger questions, you know. I like Menchu; he's nice, but I don't. Now they got. I know what I'm getting. Seven, eight wins. If we get Menchu, the best part would be Kevin when you on the morning show 
would be out at the pagoda during race season. <laughs> Minshew might just walk by. <laughs> Certainly. Hell, he'd blend in. With that he'd be out hair. there with his jean shorts cut off. Like, he wouldn't even know that he was – you would just grab him, out of the, grab him out of the audience. Him and his pops. <laughs> oh, my God. I love yeah. that video. Um, yeah, that was the last question we had. Cool. Thank you, everybody, for um, sending in the – Twitter questions, as always. Again, we're kind of collecting a pile of them. We'll get to them um, throughout the offseason. Some of them are not necessarily time-sensitive, so I'd like to save those for more of our summer pods as well. Like I said, next week, you just never know. You know, Monday, some action should start. Tampering, agreed to terms, all that stuff. Wednesday gets official. We'll, uh, we'll kind of be fly by the seat of our pants a little bit on just when we feel like it's necessary to get a pod in there. But um, appreciate you guys listening. Chris, good luck to your volunteers this week. Thank Sorry you. about Bellarmine and not being able to participate in the tournament. Dumb rule by the NCAA. It's all good. But uh, that, was, that was fun to watch the little court storming last night for them. Yeah, still get a banner and a trophy. So, so. Freedom Hall is a big venue to play in. 18,500. I mean, I mean they, they put in seven yesterday, but that's say, still pretty yeah. good for... Yeah, I've actually been to Freedom Hall a couple times, watched Louisville fans try to verbally assault <laughs> Luke Heron Goaty. <laughs> I defended Mr. Goaty. Gosh, Heron Goaty. You know, if I have a son one day, Chris. Big boy, fundamental, man. Yeah, he'd play like Heron Goaty. I'd love that. Um, whatever. That's neither here nor there. You just want healthy, healthy children, and uh, that's the most important thing. Um, all right, he's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. Uh, 107.5 The Fan is your written content all week long. We'll be back next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.